Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Hi there and thanks very much for joining us. We've reached the end of 2022 and we're finishing out the season of Red Business with an interview with the new Minister for Finance, Michael McGrath, TD, TD for Cork South Central. Minister, you're very welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thank you very much, uh, Jonathan, and uh, happy Christmas to you and, and all your listeners. Many happy returns. Uh, you are not the first Cork man to hold the job of the Minister for Finance. Jack Lynch definitely had it in the past as well, didn't he? <laughs> He did, and we had the late Jean Fitzgerald as well in the very early 1980s. Uh, Jean was Minister for Finance for a time as well. Okay, so uh, it, it is one of the high offices of state that you have now taken responsibility for. But of course, we have to go back into your history. Where did you get your training, Michael? Where did you find and cut your teeth in the world of finance? It was here in Red FM. <laughs> Uh, Red FM played a very important part, for sure. Um, but can I just say that it, it is uh, an incredible honour uh, to be appointed as Minister for Finance. And I do want to thank uh, uh, the new Tánaiste, Michal Martin, for, for putting his faith in me uh, and to thank him for his incredible work uh, as Taoiseach for two and a half years of this country as well. But yes, it's a great honour, Jonathan. Absolutely thrilled to be appointed. Uh, it does come with a really heavy responsibility. And I have to say, when I walked into the department and into the office on uh, Saturday afternoon after I had been told I was going to be appointed. Um, it, it is a, a surreal feeling in many ways uh, and there is a, a lovely meeting room with uh, a photograph of every former Minister for Finance and uh, it's kind of hard to believe that I'll be I'll be joining um, uh, that list of photographs at some point in time but a mm. great, great honour and I want to thank the people of Cork without whom I absolutely would not be there so that's the first thing I want to say is to thank the people um, not sure how much of my journey you want to know about I, I did uh, commerce in UCC I went on to work with uh, KPMG and trained to be a chartered accountant in Cork City and then of course joined Red FM at the initial startup phase in the autumn of 2001 and uh, it was a really exciting project to be part of, uh, setting up a new business, a new radio station that had a youth-focused licence. Uh, there was a great team there, some of them I know are still there, um, fantastic investors and a dynamic CEO, the late Henry Condon. So I spent some wonderful, wonderful years there and I'll never forget a great, great experience as well. Well, of course, politics then beckoned uh, and uh, you you were a councillor and then you became a, a TD. What, was it ever your ambition to be Minister for Finance? Because it, it is an onerous responsibility that you have taken on. It, it would have been an ambition, to be honest, because coming from my, my, my background, my training, um, my, my education, becoming a chartered accountant, I, I suppose that it, it lent itself to... Uh, the, the business part of politics and the economic and financial part of politics and uh, within that realm being Minister for Finance is, is the ultimate really so I spent um, I spent almost a decade as an as the Fianna Fáil opposition spokesperson on finance so I would have stood up and responded to nine budgets as the main opposition spokesperson and then I got um, I got the, the, the brilliant opportunity two and a half years ago uh, to serve as Minister for Public Expenditure Reform and uh, and now 
with the change of the guard uh, in the Department of Antishuk to keep some balance within government. Uh, it was agreed uh, when the initial agreement was entered into uh, that the departments of finance and public expenditure would rotate between the main two parties in the coalition as well. Mm-hmm. So that's how I came to be where I am today. You do have a very good working relationship with Pascal Donoghue. You may be from different political parties, but you do seem to get on quite well. And I'm guessing that helps significantly when you have two departments uh, doing different things, but effectively joined at the hip. If you didn't get on with Pascal, we'd all have found out about it by now. Oh, you would. Like the whole uh, functioning of government just simply wouldn't work if those two departments, finance and public expenditure, are at loggerheads or if the two ministers don't get on government just doesn't work because uh, you know very often he and I would have to agree and combine a mutual position we would go to the party leaders and we would we would argue the case for that position but if we were going over arguing different things uh, it just simply would not work so um, we, we have a good working relationship and I'm glad that we will be able to continue that now hopefully uh, for the next uh, two years plus and I wish him all the very best in, in his new role he has served in that role in the past so um, it won't be um, uh, it won't be too much of a challenge for him I'm sure well, When you look at the state of the economy right now, I mean, Ireland is in rare shape. We know that we've put down a budget for 23 that was very generous. You were able to give extra um, to uh, help businesses and help people deal with the energy crisis, for example. But a lot of that is predicated on corporate tax returns that are not guaranteed, far from guaranteed, in fact, and the global environment would indicate, but perhaps uh, we are heading into a more difficult and challenging period. How concerned are you that you're taking over now just as the money, it's not going to dry up by any stretch, but there probably won't be as much next year as he had this year? Yeah, that is true. In the short term, we are entering into a more challenging period. And really, it's because of international factors. And your listeners will be well familiar with all of those. Uh, The war in Ukraine has had a very serious impact on the level of inflation uh, that we are experiencing. It's at a 40-year high. We all know about the energy prices, but of course, other prices, food, groceries, uh, other day-to-day essentials have increased in price as well. And that's caused you know real harm to people. Inflation hurts people and it hurts businesses. Um, and then the main trading partners that we have internationally are all um, experiencing a very significant slowdown and uh, a number of them will go into recession and of course for Ireland you know we're a small open trading economy we sell our goods and services to the world and if there's less demand for what we produce then inevitably that does have a dampening impact on the Irish economy but that said uh, we are overall in a relatively good place the labour market is still particularly strong we've more people working in Ireland now than at any time in our country's history over two and a half million people unemployment is a little over four percent and the indications are that uh, the employment situation will will remain quite robust when it comes to the public finances they have recovered really quickly and we will have a surplus this year and a surplus next year uh, but you're right that doesn't tell the full story so this year we expect that we will receive close to 23 billion or so in corporate tax receipts and the department that i know run estimate that about 9 billion of that 23 billion uh, could potentially be windfall in nature and therefore we cannot depend on that recurring year in year out so it just makes it all the more important that we do not spend that money or at least that we do not spend it on recurring items of expenditure and that's why we set up the national uh, reserve fund Uh, we're putting 6 billion euro into that that really is a short-term measure and we do have some 
pretty big decisions to make about what we do with the surpluses that we need to run in the next few years, which will come from those corporate tax receipts. But we cannot spend them on day-to-day expenditure that ha- that has to be met every year. Yeah. That would be a fatal mistake, and we won't make that mistake. Um, yeah, and, and that is the problem, though, isn't it? That we've had two, three years now where the public and businesses have been able to get state supports through uh, the COVID schemes and now through the um, energy supply schemes. All of that is short term, um, but is there a risk that perhaps people will forever see the state as being uh, somebody who will just step in at the last minute? It's it's the it's the polar opposite of what happened in 07, 08. Uh, but 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 where where will it settle in the long term? Will the state continue to to be this generous overseer uh, when things go wrong? Well, we've had to respond to major shocks and we would hope that we're not going to see shocks like that every couple of years. Uh, the once in a century pandemic, we've had um, our, our nearest neighbour departing from the European Union. And now, of course, the war in Ukraine and the consequential uh, burst of inflation that we have seen. But I think we've been naive to think that we're going to get back into a, a calm environment where we have steady economic performance globally and we don't have major shocks. I think the truth is we are entering a different phase where there is going to be more uncertainty and more volatility, whether that comes from the impact of climate change or it comes from uh, the international migration crisis or indeed international security and cyber security. We are entering into a different period of economic development and so uh, there will undoubtedly be ongoing demands for the state to step in and resolve every problem. Now the state has to lead uh, and the, the key thing when it comes to how we use our resources is to avoid making commitments that repeat every year. So if we are running surpluses, which I expect we will be, and if our public finances are in a good place, it does give us the flexibility uh, to step in and then step out and perhaps step back in again when we need to to address particular uh, challenges, but to do so in a very short-term once-off basis. Mm. So I think we will have that flexibility into the future, but what, what we cannot do is get into a period of increasing core current expenditure by 10, 12, 15, 20% a year. That would get us into massive trouble in a few years' time. Two big ticket items I want to talk to you about, first of which is climate change. With the Climate Action Plan um, published this week, it's ambitious. It might, it could be more ambitious in places. Um, Ireland has the potential to become an exporter of energy as opposed to an importer, which it is right now. Um, are you confident that the targets set out, every business in the country, every home run exclusively by renewable energy by the end of the decade? Is that achievable? Is it achievable to have one in three electric cars? Like, Are we setting ourselves up for a fall not by not being able to make those targets? The targets are really ambitious and it is going to be exceptionally challenging. But the truth is, Jonathan, that we don't really have any choice because uh, these are not just uh, Irish targets and obligations, but they are also uh, EU targets and obligations. And so uh, every country is faced with this enormous challenge. And I think we have to just remind ourselves constantly about why we're doing it, because it can seem like a chore. It can seem like an inconvenience and an imposition on people, which which it is. But of course, we're doing it so that we have the best environment possible in Ireland. We may not be able to stop climate change in Ireland. We know that. Uh, That requires all the major countries acting together, and we hope that they do. Uh, But we have major influence and control over our local environment, uh, over our biodiversity, over uh, having clean air and clean water. And so there's a lot that we, we can do 
that is within our own control. And I think it's important as a government, we, we try to bring people with us and it can't be all stick. Like, you know, if we have to drag people with us, it's going to be really, really difficult. I think people want to do the right thing. Uh, they know what needs to be done. Uh, they want to protect the planet for future generations. Uh, but the government has to be of practical assistance to people. And that's why there has to be significant carrot as well, okay. uh, such as the retrofitting grant scheme, such as the EV grants. We have to stay the course to help people to make the journey. And in Cork, we have a massive opportunity in the area of renewable energy, particularly offshore. The other area is housing um, that I want to talk to you about. Uh, you, you don't build houses personally, or, or indeed uh, your department, but you do create the environment in which houses can be built. The system is yeah. broken. This is your chance, Michael McGrath, to actually address housing in a meaningful way uh, in consultation with your cabinet but what are you going to do to try and kickstart the programme that is needed to build the houses that we need for our country to succeed over the course of the next few decades? So in the last couple of years or so, we are seeing major uh, increase in supply. But there are some concerning signs that the pipeline, not so much for next year, but beyond that, uh, is slowing down. And that's for a variety of reasons. It's in the private sector in particular because of uh, materials inflation, because of planning delays, uh, the cost of funding, uh, the uh, difficulty in securing suitable land that's serviced and so on. So we have to address all of those issues. The first point to make is the state has to lead from the front, uh, and we are. The state is now back to building at scale once again. Social housing, uh, cost rental houses for the first time in our nation's history, and we now have new affordable housing schemes again. So the state is uh, playing its part, and we need to do more, and we recognise and we acknowledge that. But the state can't do everything, and we have to work with private industry. We have to listen to them as to what are the obstacles to them building more homes. We, we believe we'll probably build about 28,000 units collectively this year, public sector, private sector, uh, but we need to go much beyond that because our population is growing. And that's often not really commented on in this debate. You know, it's now 5.1 million people and growing all the time and with net inward migration, not just uh, international protection and war related, but we have inward economic migration as well into Ireland. So all of that just adds to the scale of the challenge that we face. So we're going to look at every aspect of housing for all uh, to see where can we do more and where can we do things faster? Okay. And that's the commitment that I can give to people. Um, let's talk about local issues. Um, in Cork, the event centre uh, delayed, tr- terribly delayed at this point. Uh, some of it does fall back to you now in finance and, and indeed to public expenditure and local government. And there's a whole load of people involved in this. Is it going to be built in 2023 or at least going to get another shovel in the ground? So the, the detailed design work is being undertaken at the moment by uh, Live Nation and BAM. And my understanding from the Cork City Council is that that will be completed early next year. Uh, the government has committed, I think it's 57 million euro in public funding uh, in recent years to uh, to that project. The truth is we are dependent on uh, these private sector partners uh, delivering the project with us. Uh, the government will provide the financial support that we have committed, uh, but we do need uh, Live Nation and BAM uh, to commit to completing this project. Uh, there is no good reason why it shouldn't be done in 2023. I cannot give an absolute guarantee to people because we're not fully in control. If this was a state project and it had planning 
and we had the site, uh, I would say, yeah, we can go ahead straight away. But we have private sector partners. These arrangements were entered into a good number of years ago. Live Nation is needed to essentially operate and run the venue uh, and to bring the uh, bring the acts uh, to the new convention centre. So we'll do everything we possibly can. But I, I'm just I, I'm just cautious because people have been walked up this hill so many times, and it's not fully within our control. If it was, I could give an assurance. But we do need the support of those partners. I am told that it is there uh, and I will engage with them directly uh, across next year to try and get this over the line. And just to finish up on on matters financial, uh, when we look at Cork, you you talked about um, our reliance on certain sectors and uh, Cork doing well. There's potential for huge growth in renewables in Cork. We know that. But when you look at changes, like we've such an investment by Apple in Cork, if that ever changed, we would be in difficulty. Same with Dell, same with other big employers here. How comfortable are you with the mix of employment we have in the sectors that we have in Cork, that they are resilient and they will be able uh, to survive whatever external pressures may come upon them over the next few years? Yeah, there are always risks. uh, And, you know, as Minister for Finance, I have to acknowledge that. But the presence of those companies in Cork is very much linked to Ireland's overall attractiveness as a destination for foreign direct investment. And, of course, it's a reflection of the experience of those companies in Cork, the quality of the workforce uh, that they have, the linkages that they have with uh, the higher uh, educational institutions as well. I think we do have a good spread between pharma, biopharma, uh, ICT, uh, food, uh, the gaming sector, uh, the whole life sciences area. I think we are we are well placed. We are strong uh, in Cork in terms of foreign direct investment, but we also have a, a very good local ecosystem. A lot of Enterprise Ireland supported clients in Cork who are exporting all over the world, uh, and then many micro local businesses who are supported by uh, local enterprise offices. So I just want to give an assurance that uh, we're always looking out for opportunities for Cork. Uh, we work very, very closely with uh, the IDA. I have ongoing contact with you know all of those major companies. So whenever issues of concern are raised, we do everything we possibly can uh, to address them. So you know Cork is doing well overall. I think the future is bright, and I just want to assure people we'll continue to work at it morning, noon, and night to make sure that we perform to the very best of our ability in our city and our county. Finally, even politicians take a break at Christmas. Uh, you will be spending. Christmas with your family. Is Santi still a visitor to the McGrath household? He is. He is indeed. Yeah, he is. And a very welcome visitor and uh, uh, very keenly awaited, uh, Jonathan. So, yeah, we have uh, we have a seven-year-old and an eight-year-old, as well as, as you know, a number of, uh, of older children. So Santa will definitely be coming. Or we, we, call him, we tend to call him Santi in Cork. So uh, <laughs> but he'll definitely be coming. I'm really looking forward to, uh, to a break over the coming days. And I just want to wish, again, all of your listeners um, a very happy Christmas and all the best for the new year. And once again, just a thank them for their ongoing support. It's deeply appreciated. Many happy returns. Minister Michael McGrath, newly appointed Minister for Finance. Thank you very much for joining us on this last episode of Red Business for 2022. And that's it for this year. We will be back, of course, in 2023, highlighting all the best businesses that are operating in Cork. Thank you to everybody who contributed to the podcast over the course of the last 12 months. Have a wonderful Christmas and we'll talk to you again very soon. Get the Red Business Podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts.